0: Warning. This show contains adult political themes and language. Liberals and little children should cover their ears. Welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps, where negativity never sounded so good. Now here's your host, Thomas Purcell. Good morning and welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps. Make sure to follow the show at our website at libertyneversleeps.com, where you can find links to us on Twitter and Facebook, Or watch the show video on BitChute. Remember, you can always subscribe to the show also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite streaming device. And we are a crowdfunded show. If you'd like to donate, check out our website at www.libertyneversleeps.com. Good morning. I think I added an extra W to the website. Every morning that intro gets tougher. I gotta add stuff, I gotta remove stuff. I don't know why. It should be a simple thing. You know, you say something like that every morning and open the show, you would think I would memorize it, but I'm an idiot. I kiss I I can never memorize it. I always and I have a script, and I always go off script like a couple letters or something. Just one of those things. Gotta have more coffee in the morning, maybe. Before we begin today's show, I don't usually talk about celebrity debts unless there's a political angle. And there's no political angle about this morning's news that kirk douglas has passed away 103 he had a stroke something like a debilitating stroke about 30 years ago i think and he's been living with it since the i you know when i heard he was dead it was such a shock even though he was 103 i it just seemed like kirk douglas would go on forever didn't it He's a personal hero of mine. Not necessarily the man, but the characters he always used to play in the movies. He's one of the icons of Hollywood. He's the last of the Golden Age stars, you know? He wasn't a celebrity. He was a star. When he walked onto the stage or into a room, you knew immediately this was Hollywood. Glamour. Power characters that were iconic I, I went, was looking at all of his clips yesterday on YouTube, I was watching them What he has made some of the most favorite movies that I have ever watched, Spartacus The Vikings In Harm's Way 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea interesting story about the movie 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Captain Nemo I mean it was Disney spectacular I'm going to watch it again this weekend when I first met my significant other, and we, we got together and, and uh, I had decided to move in with her, I was exhausted because I, when I first moved in with her, I kept my place and then just moved like the, a, a bunch of my stuff. I didn't move my furniture. I left it back in my old place because I wasn't sure about her. I wasn't, it was at the situation where, well, uh, I'm going to keep my place a little longer. Just, you know, it was that kind of a thing. I, I really, at that time, I was really into her. And I, I wanted to be with her and that kind of thing. But at the same time, I, I wasn't ready for commitment yet. This was 15 years ago. And I was exhausted. And she had hel- actually helped me. To move in. And I... Because I, I did it on my own. I did... I bought, borrowed a pickup truck. And I didn't hire a moving company. I didn't do anything like that. I just... I picked up my stuff, basically. And I was so tired. And she was so tired. We watched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. We just said, Hey, listen, I got this. I was going through my box of personal things. And I pulled out 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I said, You ever see this movie? She said, No, I've never seen it. I said, well, you, oh, you've got to see this movie. And I was so tired... And I remember that first night we were together that I had moved in, we watched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And then when we moved into our first place that we bought bought together, uh, it was about eight months later. We had decided to move again like that, where we'd move a little bit and then let the movers handle the furniture. We had moved into this new place and we had all our personal stuff, but we didn't have the furniture yet. They were arriving later on that day. And we, again, had nothing to do, and once again, I whipped out the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And then, when we finally bought our final home, this home, once again, whipped out the copy, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It was a, It's a movie that we just do as a tradition. And I was just talking with her the other night, and I said, you know, we're coming up on an anniversary of this house. We've almost finished the renovations. I said, let's watch Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. And now, of course, with Kirk Douglas passing away, we gotta we gotta watch Twenty Thousand Leagues. It movie, the Vikings that fight at the end where he's fighting on top of a, a, a what looks like a ruined castle. I don't know where it is. I'd have to look it up. It's it's somewhere in Scandinavia. I know that. And I, I was watching that scene again, and how great! It's not just the cinematic, the you know, the fact that they're up on this. Tall parapet, which they actually filmed on that thing. Kirk Douglas did his own stunts. It is a movie that you see a, a kind of power to him. At the beginning of this scene, you know he's Tony. He's going to fight Tony Curtis because he always made great movies. Tony Curtis, Spartacus is another one. Uh, uh, I could think I could think of a couple movies off the top of my head. But anyway, let's move on. I. He's running, Kirk, Tony Curtis is running up. He's like, oh, we're going to fight. And this, the way he would say things and the way the camera would photograph him, it was uh, so Kirk Douglas. He says, look at him. He can't wait to die. You know, the voice, the intensity. And then the camera focuses in on his face. And I, I saw this kind of acting again in the movie Joker with, uh, with Phoenix. The camera focuses in and you can see his face like, oh boy, I'm going to kill Tony Curtis. And then it changes as the camera focuses on an extreme close-up. And you see the guy's face change into his war face. And it's brilliant acting. And, and Phoenix did the same thing in The Joker. They f- were filming him watching himself on TV. And you see his face go from joy to rage in the matter of 30 seconds. And it's amazing to see that kind of of emotion portrayed on the screen. He does it again in Spartacus, which is just a remarkable movie. But most importantly, he was seminal in the industry for doing a number of things, one of which was working with the blacklisted writer Dalton Trumbo. Now, Dalton Trumbo, I know there was some questions about his politics, and I don't want to get into it today's show. But Trumbo wrote some of the greatest scripts of all time in Hollywood. I can think of a few. Spartacus was was one, uh, 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 Seven Days in May was another. It was just fantastic stories about the freedom of the human spirit. But he was somebody that stood for what he believed in, in a traditional sort of way. And he stood for the independence of the human spirit and the human mind. as, As liberal as he was, when you listen to some of his interviews, there were many things that I agreed with him with. And this was back in the day when liberals weren't progressive. They were Kennedy liberals. They believed in a certain thing. They believed in the working man. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I'm going to tie it into this show. But I, I, I mean, it was just, you know, I, 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 I don't have enough words. I know I'm stumbling over words, which I, I don't normally do. And I was just sorry to see him go. And I, Mike Douglas, his son, makes some remarkable movies too. But there was something about Kirk that was just iconic. I've read a number of his books, his autobiographies. I just read an article written by him a few years ago in AARP magazine. They sent me a free copy. I didn't join. But it's like I read the article by Kirk Douglas about the, the, the independent spirit that he had. And he was always such an upbeat and positive person too. When he wrote his his autobiography, he talked about women, and he talked about Hollywood. His outlook on life was just the opposite of mine. And yet he stood for a lot of the same things that I believe in. And I just, it was kind of a thing that always made me wonder and made me think. And that's why I always say you should always listen to everyone. Today, in in today's mentality of you got to hate opposition and boycott the opposition all the time, he stood for somebody that believed in a lot of things that were the opposite of what I believe in, but in the, in the same spirit, he believed a lot in the same things that I did. And I still believe that of many liberals walking through the streets. Now, naturally, I get all the hate comments and troll comments about this show on when I post it, but... It's just the nature of human beings to do that. Now it's social media, and I th- and I think that if we had more people like Kirk Douglas Day, more liberals like Kirk Douglas, things wouldn't be as bad as they are. Because it used to be, the 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 dividing line between liberals and conservatives back in the day, between right and left back in the day, wasn't as defined as it is today. They didn't focus on breaking the law like being sanctuary cities for illegal aliens they stood for the working man and stood for unions and and the mentality that it's the small guy the little guy you need to protect the government needs to protect and the and the big companies aren't and the republicans were always the the party of business interests and that divide is not so bad when you when you get right down well i think this is just not then you have can have discussions now with liberals, it seems to be about protecting all kinds of unusual things in, in your personal life. It's not about defining themselves as, well, we're going to believe the government should protect the little guy. Because it doesn't really seem like they stand for that anymore. Donald Trump, one of the things that made Donald Trump president was that he stood up for the coal miners working in coal mines and said, no, you don't have to learn the code. Coal and oil and fossil fuels is nothing wrong with it. Make America great in a large part was bringing back manufacturing industries. And I, I don't know. It just Kirk Douglas's death hit me really hard. It wasn't like I wasn't expecting it someday. I mean, he was 103. I would always read about articles that he was doing or activities he was doing. I was like, can't. In a wheelchair, 103 with a stroke, and he's still out there doing what he's doing. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Nancy Pelosi and the State of the Union, because a number of things have come to me. Um, Now that I've had a day to think about it, you know, when I did yesterday's show, I had only seen the State of the Union, uh, oh, I would say maybe a few hours before I did the show. But I've been thinking about some of the things that I saw in the State of the Union, and I didn't mention, and now it's occurred to me, and I think it bears mentioning. And and let's talk about it. I'm going to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back after this brief break. So yesterday, Trump was acquitted of, of both counts that he was charged again. The first count of inviting a foreign power to interfere in election. I could see the argument. I completely disagree with it. I don't think that's at all what he was doing. But the second count of obstruction of Congress, which essentially went the same. The only one vote was different was Mitt Romney was a completely contrived case because no branch of government can hold another branch in contempt. They both equal. It's not shared power. It's equal power and each has separate responsibilities. And I don't want to go into it today, but I was watching the state of the union and these kind of things came to me when I, when I saw with, with Nancy ripping those pages and with what she said and what she was doing. First of all, I have to tell you, I believe something is wrong with Nancy Pelosi. And I don't mean just mixing drinks with medicine or whatever and some of her scatterbrain moments. There's something seriously wrong with her. She needs to see a doctor if she hasn't already. I was watching her. And I noticed that the expression on her face changed a number of times. In the middle of Donald Trump talking and not just the usual change with what he said, but it was completely random. The different emotions that I was seeing on her face. I mean, she would wince and eyes and flick her mouth and say things under her breath and then would go from a smile to a, a deep concern movement. And there was shocking differences in her emotions as he was making that speech, and there was something seriously wrong with her. Now maybe she's seeing a medical doctor. I don't know. But this is again the third person in line to be the head of government, and certainly the the head of the legislative branch. It's completely bizarre to me how these people hold on to office for so long. John McCain. Held on to office till the moment of death. He had a brain tumor. Now, say what you will about his politics, well, maybe the brain tumor affected it or not. I'm not going to get into that. But I can tell you that sitting on the banks of the Oak Creek with his daughter with a brain tumor as he was passing away is inappropriate. He should have stepped down. He's not serving his constituents. And they say, well, he was an icon and we don't have the right. Yes, we do as citizens. We have the right to question our leaders. My God, the whole impeachment effort was about questioning our president. I didn't object to Democrats wanting to question Donald Trump. And I understood why they wanted to get him out because he was everything that they are not. That's the American way. But if you're going to impeach Donald Trump for what is obviously a contrived case, when it's obvious it's not against the law for one branch of government to say no to the other branch, when it's not inviting a foreign leader to interfere in the election, which is, again, contrived, why the hell aren't we impeaching or questioning Nancy as she's twitching and jerking in in back of Donald Trump? Something's going on with her. And it's okay to ask that question and say hey, listen, what the hell are you doing up there? What's wrong with you? Can't you sit still for 10 minutes or two hours or whatever it was that he was talking? She couldn't sit still for five minutes. Something was like epilepsy. And I think it's important for American citizens to say, "Hey, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't have 80-year-olds running in Congress, maintaining halls of power. And I I don't want to be ageist. I don't want to be discriminatory but there's something wrong with her and this has happened with a number of leaders i remember one i don't know remember who the guy's name was he was a a congressman he says well it, the guam might tip over if people walk from one end to the other and i'm like that guy is not competent and then it comes out later well he was suffering from a kidney illness and they he's on medication and whatnot, well, then she needs to step down, for God's sakes. If somebody is fumbling over the words and thinking that an island will tip over if people walk across it, this person does not have a right to legislate for his, his district. Let's take, for instance, the, the moment when Pelosi was standing up there And ripped the pages. Now, the mainstream media, this is a a perfect example of how the mainstream media is complicit with this kind of behavior. The mainstream media says, oh, she ripped it because she was angry that Donald Trump didn't shake her hand. You can see the videotape yourself where she sticks her hand out the moment that Trump is turned away from her. And then she pulls it back. And then they say, well, he didn't want to shake her hand and she was mad and so she ripped up the papers. That's not what happened. First of all, you can watch the videotape. She stuck on her hand when he wasn't looking, when he was looking up at Vice President Pence. She was using that as an excuse to do what she was going to do. It was pre-planned. And now, as videotapes show, there was a a rip in the paper, pre-prepared, so that she could just rip it easy. So obviously, and there was, I mean, you, when you watch the videotape of the whole State of the Union, those papers were pre repped She didn't rip it while she was up there. Somebody ripped it for her or pre-prepared it. This is a contrived event. As typical of the Democrats, the whole impeachment was contrived. Everything was pre-planned. They knew that they would lose in the Senate vote. The papers were pre-ripped so that she could rip it easily in a moment in front of the camera because you don't want to be standing in front of the camera with your weak 80-year-old arms twitching and and gibbering like a monkey trying to rip the page. They they were pre-ripped. There's more than one person involved in that, obviously. That's what we need to worry about. Question these things. Something's not right. With Nancy Pelosi. Something's not right with a number of congressmen. Not to mention their politics. It's all pre-planned. There's a great meme going around the internet right now. Nancy the Ripper. You know, Jack, like Jack the Ripper, Nancy the Ripper. That's funny. But this is a serious moment in American history, too. They try to remove a president because they just didn't like him. They try to remove a president because they're not happy with the outcome at the ballot box. You as an American, right or left wing, should be concerned about that. Even in the impeachment hearings, they said Donald Trump did not break the law. There's no law that says he can't talk to a foreign leader and hold up foreign aid until a certain date. They readily admit that. There is no law that says he can't invoke executive privilege in the case of an investigation. In fact, the articles of impeachment never mention the breaking of any law or any statute. It was part of the Republican defense. And yet, these guys all got together and said, let's remove the president. That should be a moment of concern for you, whether you're liberal or conservative. It's certainly a moment of concern for me because now... They've completely neutered and devalued the impeachment proceedings. And Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney stood up and did, engaged in personal politics. Said, well, I'm going to vote uh, for impeachment. And he voted for impeachment on Article 1, but not on Article 2. That, isn't that a quintal, quintessential Joey Zuzu moment? Well, I don't think that it rose to the uh, level on Article 2, but, you know, on Article 1, it was, give me a break, Mitt. You knew damn well that the whole thing was contrived, and you wanted to stand up there, and you hoped that a few other senators would follow you, would follow your lead. That's why you announced it early. Look, if you're going to remove a president, and you're a Republican, and you're voting against a Republican, you know that's going to be politically dangerous. And you don't want to actually risk removing him. So what do you do? You come out early and you say what your vote is. That's why he announced it early. So that everyone would know that he was going to vote for removal. So that other senators would get together and say, well, I'm not going to follow him or I am going to follow him and try to remove this president. It's all politics. And it speaks very lowly of Mitt Romney. I mean, you could say a lot of things about Mitt Romney. Is He has done an enormous amount of work on charities, the Olympics, board of directors on a number of corporations. And by the way, he's not a board of director on a Ukrainian gas company. I want to dispel that myth. Or well, neither is his son. But say what you will about him, that was a personal moment. And it, it, it undermined everything that he stood for. Now, you could say he's liberal, I first want to say he's a Rockefeller Republican. But there are a lot of things that he's done that's been amazing. And most of his votes are pretty conservative and, and, in, in and the senator and, and the other things that he's done. He ran for president. In fact, the Barack Obama tried to paint him as a Tea Party patriot. But Mitt Romney engaged in personal politics, as did most of the Democrats. They didn't want him as president, Donald Trump, because they didn't like him. Because he said some things about women. I thought we had gotten past that with Bill Clinton with personal vendettas. I thought we had gotten over the morality issue that a president could be immoral. Hell, I thought we had gotten over the morality issue with Jack Kennedy. You have to separate it. And say what you will about Donald Trump's tweets or Donald Trump's behavior about saying offensive things. He's going to do that. That's who he is. He established that early. And in fact many people voted for him. Because of that reason. Because he's a damn troll. He sent out a tweet yesterday. I'm gonna, A picture of him as president. Vote Trump twenty fifty twenty one fifty two, 2152. Just to show you. He's like I'm going to do that to you. So we know that going ahead. It's all pre-planned. But to engage in personal politics. In the way Mitt Romney did. And in fact, the way the many of the Democrats said, they didn't vote because they didn't want him there. They don't think that your vote is valuable enough. They even said it in their prosecution. People can't be trusted to vote for the right person. How dare they? How shocking that is. And it's perfectly acceptable to say, hey, maybe we should get a doctor to look at Nancy Pelosi for our own sake, just for own... I mean, my God... She's, you know, given her life in public service too. Say what you, may might not agree with her politics, but Jesus, she's, she's a member of Congress. We need to get a doctor to her, just out of human kindness. I said this about Hillary Clinton. Hey, maybe somebody should be looking at what the hell the, who's treating Hillary Clinton. What the hell's going on with her when they got to throw her into the back of a bus like a sack of beef? Anyway, I. It just seems like the world has gone crazy, doesn't it? That these people, nobody seems to notice something ain't right with them. I remember when I was listening one, one day to Howard Stern. I used to listen to him a lot when he was on the radio. And I was listening to Howard Stern and he was talking about a time when he was in a room with Michael Jackson. And they were both being, uh, I think, I don't know if it was Johnny Carson or David Letterman or what I don't know what it was, but they were both sitting like in the green room. And he says, he looked over at Michael Jackson and he looked at his face and he saw, he said, I saw his face melting under the hot lights or something like this. Doesn't anybody notice these things? Doesn't anybody want to say something? That's what led to Michael Jackson's death. Nobody wanted to say, hey, listen, Mike, sedating yourself is not sleeping. You need to get out, do, stop doing that kind of stuff. You, need, you don't need to hire a doctor to sedate you every night. Somebody needs to intervene in Nancy Pelosi. Somebody needs to intervene in a number of these congressmen. I don't know how, how you do it other than you've got to say to the constituents, hey, maybe you shouldn't vote for this person. This is our leadership of our country. How are they going to handle things when a real crisis comes along? Like a major war or a famine or a plague, they can't even stand up during a state of the union address without gibbering and, and and twitching like an epileptic crazy person and Why am I the only person who's saying any of this i I haven't heard any of this from political analysts i haven't heard I certainly haven't heard it from rachel maddow or or Chris Matthews about. Nancy Pelosi's behavior it's all been about the ripping of the paper but what about her face what about the fact that her face seems to be painted on and she's twitching and gibbering like an idiot doesn't it, aren't you concerned about that I, I I don't I don't understand it seems like nobody's paying attention to the important things aren't you concerned that our impeachment effort our impeachment process has become what politicized that was a political vote. Straight party lines, my God. Aren't you concerned about that? Even with the Clinton impeachment where he actually broke the law. There was no question about it. He committed perjury. It did, what didn't fall along party lines? There were some Democrats that voted for impeachment. There were some Republicans who kept him on board. It was about the crime. It was about the process, right? And, and nobody seems to be concerned about this thing. That's what bothers me. Not that it's going on, but that nobody seems to be talking about it. Nobody's legitimately concerned about Hillary Clinton who got thrown into the back of a SUV, literally, by the seat of her pants. Here you go, boom. And you're going to vote for that person for president? You're not going to say, hey, maybe somebody needs to intervene and, and, and see her and medical, something not right with her? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I it astonishes me, it really does. I want to talk about the Iowa caucus because now that you know funny thing too, I was watching some of the aftermath of the Trump acquittal, and the talking heads were talking around the table. I think it was Brett Baer and some of the others you know on the Fox panel uh, and the guy he was saying, well, I'm glad that this impeachment effort is over because maybe now Washington will get back to normal.' If you think that, you've got to be on crack. If you think that these Democrats, these liberals, people like AOC are going to stop, they're, they're plotting their next move against this president. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit with the Iowa caucus. We'll, we'll be right back. So the Iowa caucus, they're still counting votes. (laughs) I mean, this is a complete dumpster fire right from the beginning to end, isn't it? All you got to do is have a bunch of people stand up and raise their hand and count it. How hard is that? And somehow the Democrats bungled it. These are the people who want to run your healthcare. These are the people who want to run your life. These are the people who tell you we can't trust you at the ballot box. My God, talk about trust. How, how do you, how can you screw that up? What, what's, well, what all you got to do is write down who you going to vote for, put it in sleep sleeping paper, put it in the hat, count it. How friggin' hard is that? And these guys can't even do that. They're, they're still fumbling about it today, as of today. And as I told you, they were going to steal it from Bernie. They weren't going to let Bernie the Communist win the Iowa caucus. Because to the Democrats, the Iowa caucus is a big thing. I mean, it's big. That's why they, they stole it from Bernie last time in 2016. They didn't want to have Hillary Clinton not win the Iowa caucus. Because going forward, the person that wins the Iowa caucus gets a lot of credibility with the Democrat Party when it comes to superdelegates and things like that. And and once again, they stole it from Bernie. The numbers are remarkable when you start to drill down into it. And the funny thing is it was 26.7% for Pete Buttigieg. And 26.6, as of, I guess, the filming of the show. But by the time you hear this, the numbers will be different. It was only like a tenth of a percent. What? (laughs) Do you really believe that Pete Buttigieg got as many votes as Bernie Sanders in Iowa? I don't. (laughs) I don't believe it for a flat-ass second. Especially not with, well, we don't have any results because we have to review all the results and throw out are the fake votes and, and recalculate. Yeah, and a lot of doublespeak for you're going to stuff the ballot box. Because it, and I the caucus is deliberately called a caucus and not a primate because it's really easy to stuff a ballot box when you have a bunch of people showing hands. You know, it all depends on who does the counting, right, when you have paper ballots. But does anybody believe that Pete Buttigieg can beat Donald Trump? I mean, the guy is a is a catastrophe from the word go. First of all, he looks like Alfred E. Newman. You know what's going to happen with Donald Trump. You know how he is. The minute they stand on the stage together, it's going to be what me worry. That's all they're going to talk about. Then you got the fact that Buttigieg is just an Indiana mayor. Now, I know that because Donald Trump doesn't have any experience in government, that argument is now over, that you can't be president without experience. But at the same time, an Indiana mayor isn't even equivalent to a builder who has built casinos and hotels all around the world. It's not. It. It's completely beyond the scope of Pete Buttigieg's what I would call wheelhouse of skills. And no disrespect to Mr. Buttigieg, but let's face it. Not prepared. He's not ready for the presidency. That's why usually somebody who becomes president is usually a senator or a governor. Governors are most likely... To be president because you have executive branch experience you know how to deal with the, the department of justice laws and whatnot and a lot of times uh there's a law background at some point when you get into the level of of serious governance and governors and, and beyond then you have bernie sanders who's a complete and utter communist and i'm not making this up i remember when Bernie Sanders was working with the Sandinistas down in Nicaragua uh, under Ronald Reagan, and I know people say, "Well, he honeymooned in the Soviet Union." Yeah, I, that, that. Yeah, it is. It's it's a moment of, hey, maybe we should ask a question about this guy. But you have to say, I'm more concerned about his politics. What was he doing down in Nicaragua? And there's a number of videotapes of him uh, with communists around the world in a number of moments partying it up and. Saying basically the same things that government should run private industry, government should take over every industry. He's talked about the takeover of utilities, he's talked about the takeover of a number of industries. He's a communist. He wants to take the wealth of people who have it and give it to people who don't. It's communism. I know people say, well, it's socialism, democrat socialism. You put whatever name on you want, I, there is no difference. There's no difference when you say the government could come in and run things. That's a communist. And arguably, it's a fascist, but there's fine print between all the different isms. I'm against big government. I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care if it's a liberal or a conservative. I, anything that expands the power of government, I'm against it. I'm against public education. That should be in the private sector. I'm against public construction of roads. I'll be straight up with you. We used to do it privately. When a developer of a tract built attractive homes, the roads going into it should be built by private developers. I don't believe in regulatory uh, efforts of the housing and urban development. Government should not be building homes. Government should not be providing health care. Not in America. There are a number of departments that should not exist at the federal level at all. I'm a hardliner like that. So when I tell you Bernie is a communist, trust me on this. Guy's a communist. And yet, because the way politics are now, he almost won the Iowa caucus. Both, by the way, both candidates are declaring victory. Then you have Amy Klobuchar. But they stole it again from, from Bernie. There's no question in my mind that Pete Buttigieg was more palatable to them, as ridiculous as he is. By the way, I remember when, when George Dukakis, Michael Dukakis, ran against Bush. Same thing. Completely ridiculous. Guy would, would not be viable as president. And I knew the guy has got no staying power. Once he got the nomination, Dukakis I'm talking about, I remember the number of mistakes that Dukakis made. The most notable everybody talks about this was the time he rode in the tank with the helmet on he looked like a little kid riding a toy tank it was so bad because they were trying to show him as somebody who was pro-defense because at the time we were had dealing with a very aggressive situation in Iraq and Iran and the Middle East George Bush once again picked the wrong side with Saddam Hussein I still maintain that So they tried to portray Michael Dukakis as pro-defense and they put him in a tank, a big M1 tank, if you know anything about him. And they put him in and they had him riding on top like, you know, like a sergeant viewing the field. It was supposed to be a moment where they would show that Dukakis was pro-defense and he looked like a little kid. And the same thing will happen if you run Pete Buttigieg. It'll be the same situation. He says things and does things which are completely ridiculous. And nobody's really looked at him. I have. I've watched some of these interviews with him. He's a complete idiot. And he's he's only fit for running a small town mayor. He is not fit for president of the United States. Can you imagine Pete Buttigieg sitting down with Putin and discussing and having to face down Putin in Ukraine? Should Putin decide to make another move there? Can you imagine that, Pete Buttigieg? Putin must be sitting in this laughing. And then, of course, Bernie Sanders. He's probably thinking, oh, we know Bernie. He's a friend of ours. You know? It's like, oh, Bernie's a good guy. He'll he'll help us out. You, you worried about Russian intervention with Donald Trump? You should worry about it with Bernie Sanders. My God. Oh, yeah, Bernie helped us down in Nicaragua. He's a good guy. He'll help out. You can bet that if you elect Bernie Sanders as president... The, the Russian Putin will be making moves in Central America t- like the day after he's elected. Trust me. Not to mention, though, what the stock market would do. I. It's well, The Iowa caucus is an example of the dumpster fire that the DNC has become. It really has. They need a, a new leadership at the top level. Seriously. You got Nancy the Twitching Epileptic at the head, and you've got, what's-her-face... Uh, wasserman schultz running the party believe it or not she's still around so are some of these other liberals these nutty liberals you guys need some new leadership man you need some strong leader you need another bill clinton i honestly you really do and i don't want to give advice to them but my god get rid of these guys they reject that this progressive notion and and you can you could have a a a hard-line liberal Represent your party if you believe in in that. If you believe in progressivism and whatnot, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, hardline liberals, right? I mean, they're they're close to what Bernie is, not quite, but they're they're getting there. And they would provide as bad as Hillary Clinton is, she would provide more leadership than Pete Buttigieg would, or Amy Klobuchar, or certainly Bernie Sanders. My God, you know, and and they're they're talking about. Hillary Clinton now jockeying for a VP position. Let's talk about that next. We'll be right back. There's been some talk about Hillary Clinton jockeying for a VP nomination in other words she knows she can't win she knows she doesn't have the money to run she knows that a lot of Democrats don't like her but at the same time if you were Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg or Bernie Sanders if you put Hillary Clinton on your ticket you're going to get a lot of votes free votes people will vote for Hillary Clinton as crazy as that sounds there are a lot of people that still live in love with this woman but she knows she can't run for president, especially now that the impeachment effort completely imploded in the face of, of Nancy Pelosi and the Democrat Party. I, I really do believe, had the impeachment effort been successful in destroying the Senate or making Trump unelectable, let's say that Trump came out of the impeachment effort with a weakened position, with, with polls that were extremely low, that people believed that he was guilty of somehow of a crime but that the Senate was Republican and couldn't get rid of him. That was the goal. The goal was to character assassinate the President of the United States to the point where he's unelectable. They even said it. Oh, we need to impeach him, otherwise he's going to get elected. That's what I think Hillary Clinton was waiting for. That moment. When he was completely unelectable, the Iowa caucuses to completely fail. By the way, the caucuses, the reason why it was so important, why I want to talk about it, was that the company that was in charge of running the Iowa caucuses, that developed the app that they were using, the text app and whatnot, was was tied up with Hillary Clinton, with former Clinton people. So it was my guess that the way this was supposed to go was the impeachment effort was supposed to destroy Trump's credibility. The Republicans in the Senate would be unelectable because they would be shown to be like concealing Trump's crimes. In other words, Trump is guilty of a crime. The Republicans stood up and protected him and would damage the credibility of the Republican Party. would damage the credibility of, of Donald Trump. His polls would be extremely low. Then the Iowa caucus would hit right at the same time. This was all time, folks. And it would be a complete chaotic mess. Nobody would know who the leadership... And Hillary Clinton, in the moment of chaos... Would step forward and go, I'm the savior of the party, I'll step forward and I'll help you out. That's what I think was the play. I really do. And it didn't work out that way. Donald Trump comes now, his polls are extremely high. Highest he's ever been as president, by the way. It's higher than Barack Obama was at this point. As much as five percentage points. And this is a poll by the mainstream media, so you know it's much higher. The guy is filling stadiums. Butt gig and Sanders can barely fill bowling alleys. Elizabeth Warren's Joe. Joe Biden is certainly not going to win the nomination. He came in fourth. How is, he going to, how is he going to play that for New Hampshire? He might even step out of the election at this point. So the complete dumpster fire of the Democrats has caused a problem for Clinton. She still wants to be president. No doubt in my mind. What do you do? What do you do? If you're, if you're Hillary Clinton, what do you do? You just walk away? She can't. She's not capable of it. The fact that she's going out and talking about how awful Donald Trump is and making Facebook posts and Twitter posts post after post after post and always about the same thing, about the presidency and how Donald Trump needs to go and he's a criminal. And the only reason you would do that is you were jockeying for a position now. So how do you make – what's your play If you're Hillary Clinton, what's your play? Well, maybe I could go to one of these candidates in this moment of chaos and make a deal with them. Because you know there's a lot of superdelegates that are completely loyal to Hillary Clinton. You know that she's got the dirt on everybody. You know she's butt buddies with uh, Wasserman Schultz, who's the head of the party. You know what the play is. You go to one of these candidates that potentially could be Donald Trump. And you say, let's make a deal. I'll give you my superdelegates. I'll tell them. I'll talk to them. I'll get all of my forces rallied, all my connections to the mainstream media. In return, you pick me as vice president. Because she knows if she's in the vice presidency, she's only a heartbeat away from the president. And I don't want to get into the, like, Arkansas thing. I don't think that's what would happen. But she'll pick somebody that's electable and at the same time that she's got something on. And if that should happen, let's say Pete Buttigieg, just as for an example. I'm not, I don't want to get specific about it, but I'm just using an example. Let's say she makes a deal with Pete Buttigieg now because Pete Buttigieg quote unquote won the Iowa caucus, right? And says, well, I'll give you this and I'll give you this and I'll give you my money and give you this and you'll give me the vice president's lot. Pete says, okay. And God forbid that America should decide we'll vote for Pete Buttigieg and Hillary Clinton as vice president. The moment he's president, Hillary Clinton will send that dirt out. Just like McCain did with Donald Trump and the Steele dossier. The moment that it was becoming obvious that Trump was going to become president, that Steele dossier suddenly ended up in the hands of a FISA court. And it came from the McCain camp. And the dirt will come out, Pete Buttigieg will be gone, and guess who will be elected president? Hillary Clinton. And she never got a vote in her life for president. That's what it'll be. That's the play. I'm telling you, she's jockeying for it. I'm talking with people on the inside. People say, hey, she's doing this and doing that. She's up to something. I can see it in social media. I can see what she's doing. Can you imagine if there was such weakness in the party as it is right now, and it gets all the way to the convention, and the convention is brokered, and maybe they work a deal? And in the middle of it, let's say Pete Buttigieg comes out on top. And he says, ah, I'm going to be president. And uh, we're going to get Trump. And everybody's in love with him for the first time in his life. And Hillary Clinton walks out. And i like to t- introduce my vice presidential pick. And Hillary Clinton walks out. It'll bring down the House. You know these people love her. You know these people think she was cheated out of her, her rightful heir to the throne. And the House will come down and everyone will go crazy. Even if she doesn't win, she'll live for that moment. Just to have that moment where everybody is cheering and loving her. Because she's like that. She's sick like that. I'm telling you, this is coming. And I told you about this a year ago, year and a half. and you I mean, I made that post. I said, she's coming for VP. And here's the play. Or she'll pick somebody like Bernie Sanders, who's 78 and a bad heart. Who may not make it through a first term. The rigors of a term of president. Or Joe Biden. Who's had brain surgery his eyes bleeding on the table. He might, he might not survive the first term. That's what this is going all about. And she'll get in. That's how she thinks. Even if she, even if she doesn't win the election. The moment, that moment, where America wants her again, she'll do it. And I told you a year and a half ago, she'll do anything for that moment. Trust me on this. I know something about human psychology, okay? She is unable to deal with the fact that people just don't want her. And she's going to live for that moment. And it might be a VP pick. I don't know. I could tell you this. This thing I can tell you for sure. No matter who it is, if a Democrat gets elected, Clinton will be placed somewhere. She will trade whatever favor she has or whatever blackmailing she has to get some position in government. Trust me when I tell I don't care. I don't know what it is. So will the Obama's. I remember, what's his face? Joe Biden said, well, I'll, I'll put Barack Obama on the Supreme Court. And everybody loved him, right, for that. Clinton is the same way, in love with herself, in love with her own aggrandizement. That's why she's making all these book tours, so she can stand in front of a crowd and have the crowd love her again. It's addictive. It's like a drug for her. We got to move on. I got to talk a little bit about Amazon in a minute. Because there's a lot of attacks on Jeff Bezos because he's so wealthy. It's this narrative that he's a billionaire. And I want to talk a little bit about Amazon minimum pay and unions. We'll be right back. Okay, we only got a few minutes left, so I, but I want to, I'll make this brief. Been a lot of attacks on Amazon billionaires and whatnot. Amazon, because now I'm seeing these stories come out. Well, it only paid 1.2 percent of, it, of its product as of its gross product as tax, and and you have to pay 15 and 20 percent. Well, you don't hire billions of people or millions of people around the world. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Amazon provides a service for America that it was so desperate for. Fast, easy delivery and cheap goods. What could possibly go right? What could possibly go wrong? Everyone loved it. It's literally putting most retailers out of business. And an amazing thing is these idiot retailers like Macy's, Sears and whatnot, all these big box stores, they refuse to change their business model to compete. They have warehouse. They could literally take all those department stores and all the malls convert half of the retail space into a warehouse, take half of their employees, turn them into drivers, and compete with Amazon and potentially put Amazon out of business. But they won't. They won't change their business model. They'll continue to focus and hope for a good Christmas. Amazon now does maybe five times the business that all the department stores combined. The department stores were walking $3 down the escalator for every dollar they would write. I used to tell them that back in the day, and this was before Amazon. I said, you're walking on this business because you won't change your business model. They didn't listen to me. I said, you're going out of business and you don't even know it. So Amazon provided something that the American people wanted. That's why they're doing that kind of business. There's no other reason why. You can talk about their business practices all you want. The bottom line is that people want their service. And Jeff Bezos came up with the idea and worked his ass off to bring that service. He deserves his billions. That's what you do. That's how you make your billions in America. And he's a perfect rags to riches story. He was not a wealthy person when he started Amazon. Neither was Jeff Zuckerberg when he started Facebook. Or Jack with Twitter. Or Steve Jobs. These are all rags to riches stories. Bill Gates, they worked out of a garage. America is the land of opportunity. Bernie Sanders is out there saying, well, these billionaires are ruining your life. How? How is he ruining my, he provides a service that I want to buy. Now the argument is, well, they're not paying enough tax. Now that they're that big, they're not paying enough tax. Well, wait a minute. You wrote the tax code. You guys in Congress, you've been in, you've been in in office for 30, 40 years. All of you, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, you're the ones who helped write the tax code. You could have changed it at any time. You could have voted no. Why didn't you? Why didn't you stop them if they were so terrible, if it's such a terrible thing? The American government takes in more taxes now than it ever has. How are they not paying enough tax? Well, they only paid 1.2%. Yeah, but 1.2%, the top 1% of our income earners, business and personal, pay for like 40% of the, the freight in this country. I don't mean freight and shipping. I mean the actual bill. You know, all our entitlements, our defense spending, 40%, if you total up, comes from the 1%. How are they not paying enough? Well, they should pay the same rate as you. I'm I'm the first one to agree that America should go to a flat tax system. Everybody pay 10% or 5% or 7%. Calculate how much money you're taking now divide it out of the gdp and say that's the percentage if it's like four percent of the gdp everybody pays four percent it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how you earn the money if you earn it as a corporation if you earn it as a but they never say that do they you don't hear bernie sanders talking about well let's go to a flat tax that would make sense i could say oh you know that makes sense we're not paying enough that amazon's paying 1.2 you're paying 15 that's not fair okay but they're not arguing for that are they They're arguing for what? We need to seize their industry. Seize his money. His money isn't his. No, no, no. That's un-American. That's communist. No, his money is his. But let's rebalance the tax code. I'm all in love with that. I remember how they were saying in the the last election, in the 2016 election, we're going to have income tax on an index card and they were holding up the index card. What happened to that? I just did my, my better half's taxes the other day. It took me 20 minutes with a TurboTax program, but it wasn't no friggin' index card. That's for sure. What happened to that? We need to have a reassessment about what it is that makes America great. One of which is private enterprise. One of it is the ability to become a billionaire overnight like Jeff Bezos. But it isn't really overnight, isn't it? It's hard work. We need to stop hating on billionaires. Now, the other argument is that he's working his employees too hard, and there's some good case for that. Long hours, difficult working conditions, people are getting injured. That's, look, that, that's the nature of shipping. That's the nature of a minimum wage job. It's like a coal miner. A coal miner takes enormous amounts of risks with their life. It's a dangerous job. It's a low-paying job. Most dirty jobs are hard work. Guys who laid tar on the roof. I just recently watched a team come in and put a new patio in my backyard. 700 square feet of stone and brick and whatnot. That's hard work, man. And it's difficult work. And it's dangerous work, to be honest. They were working with heavy equipment. They were leveling and regrading my backyard. They were laying brick. And these guys, I mean, I shook the hands of the guy who, who was putting in my brickyard. He felt like I was handling the brick itself with his hand. That's a debilitating job. Yeah, it's difficult. It's hard work. That's why you get skills in a white-collar position like engineering or robotics or whatever. But what happened to the Democrat Party promoting what? Unions. That's That's what the answer is to Amazon if working conditions are so poor, if pay is so low, as they're saying. Well, the solution is what? Organized labor. You all get together and say, listen, we're not going to work unless you give us better pay you go on strike but they're not doing that are they bernie sanders isn't encouraging them to unionize he isn't speaking for workers rights he's saying no we're going to force a company to do something by government fiat we're going to get government to solve your problems we're going to get government that's fascism that's communism man That's not what the Democrat Party used to stand for. The Democrat Party used to stand for what? Bernie Sanders would have been, in the old days, someone like Bernie Sanders, like maybe a Jack Kennedy, would be standing in line with workers and encouraging them to strike and fight for your rights. Your rights don't come from government. They come from what? Humans. You're born with them. It's the entire concept of the Constitution that your rights come. Why? Because you're born. Because you're a human being. And that's what the Democrats lost somewhere. They now say your rights come from government and government is going to give you these rights. Government is going to give you family pay. Government is going to give you better wages. No. What they should be doing is saying, no, you deserve better wages and we're going to help you get there. We're going to make it possible. We're going to walk with you in that picket line. We're going to defend your rights. And that's what Donald Trump did, essentially. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to get government off your backs. I'm going to renegotiate NAFTA into the USMCA deal to make it more viable for companies to do business here again that's why donald trump won because he appealed to the common man the manufacturer the hard-working guy the working stiff and the democrats have gone even further away from it now in the 2020 election not one of these candidates talks about worker rights except as enforced by government not one There isn't a single Democrat that stands for the working man anymore. That's why they almost lost the unions a few years ago. They're now saying the government is going to provide all these things, all benefits, family leave act, workers' rights, minimum pay. And unions are saying, hey, you're putting us out of business. If government is going to enforce all these things, if government is going to seize business, what do you need unions for? We're out of time for today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I know we're talking about a lot of subjects more than once. The reason is because they're important. Not everybody listens to the show every day. People need to hear these things more than once. They're stealing the election from Bernie Sanders because they don't want a communist, but who are they offering? Pete Buttigieg? His politics are just as far left as Bernie in many cases. Donald Trump was acquitted, but the real concern is Nancy Pelosi is the head of the legislative branch. She's twitching like an idiot and making up things like ripping papers. you know, And then getting the mainstream media to lie about it for them. That's darn, Don't you see that, that that's a problem when journalists who are supposed to be just reporting the truth and facts are lying to protect Nancy Pelosi? That's a serious problem too. Hillary Clinton's obsession with power People need to stop paying attention to her. That's the only way you got to do it. I, every day I see a news story. Hillary Clinton, i got to report it. Well, she did this, she did that. We're out of time. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow. For those of you who donate $10 a month or more, I would encourage you if you... Listen to this show more than once. Donate $2 at our site, patreon.com. You just click on the link at libertyneversleeps.com or go to Patreon direct and ask for Liberty. Just type in Liberty Never Sleeps. We're doing quite well this year, both in ratings and in finances, but we could do a hell of a lot better. $2 I'll ask. If you donate $10 or more, you get access to free private shows on Friday and other things. Enrollment on our website. I have t-shirts, mugs, coffee mugs, all the, all the things, all the details are on our Patreon site. But we're out of free time for this week. Uh, I'll talk to you all on the private show on Friday, and then we'll be back on Monday. Take care, folks. Have a good one.